The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Thanks for joining us for another weekly edition of the State House Takeout. And uh, <clears throat> oh, we uh, we sound pretty good this week, folks. Uh, this is Chris Lasinski, Katie Lannon, and uh, Matt Murphy joining us. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Good to uh, hear you again. Yeah. Hope we don't find out later that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Have faith. Have faith. There was a lot of news this week out of the uh, Department of Environmental Protection offices, and we've uh, we've just pulled Chris Lasinski out of the DEP. Uh, haven't seen much of you this week, Chris. You've yes, still I'm got- still wearing my DEP visitors pass on my shirt. Good man, um, because just in case he needs to duck back over there later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're on day three now, right? Of uh, the hearings into the um, uh, local residents' appeal of the environmental permit that was granted uh, by the administration to this potential Weymouth gas compressor station. And Chris, now on on this third day, what was potentially set up to be the final day? Uh, will it still be the final day? No, it will no longer be the final day. Because you got some surprise data introduced today, right? Yes, yes. Kind of a a surprise 11th hour data dump. Uh, We opened this morning's hearing scheduled to be the final day of a a lengthy three-day process with uh, attorneys for the residents and the four communities who appealed the air quality permit announcing that they had an issue that uh, just last night, Thursday evening, after Thursday's proceedings had wrapped up for the day, uh, uh, DEP attorneys uh, informed them that they had just earlier that week received almost 750 pages worth of data uh, about air quality samples at the test site where the station is going to go. Now, I know this is all kind of a little bit dense stuff, data on the uh, the air quality, but it, it is fairly significant because, you know, I've spoken to uh, a couple of people who have been tracking this for a long time. One of the scientists who filed the appeal told me that this new data shows much higher levels of carcinogens and other toxic chemicals than the state had previously assumed was the case when it allowed this permit to go, uh, to go forward. Um, so what happens now, we're not really sure. All part, uh, well, the appealing parties asked for more time to review this this significant new data you know 12 hours is not enough to to read through a 750 page document and get ready to do testimony and cross-examination on it so it looks like maybe they'll come back monday maybe they'll come back another day next week but it's certainly not going to wrap up today Wow. Yeah, because uh, this timeline uh, with Friday possibly being the uh, final day of the hearing was originally set out in a court order, right? Yep, it was set out in a court order. You know, there's a pretty strict process guiding all of this. The state issued the air quality permit in January. That's a key step for Enbridge, the energy company seeking the facility toward getting final approval to open this. In February, the residents and the communities of, please no one yell at me for butchering pronunciation here, Uh uh, Weymouth, Quincy, Hingham, and uh, Braintree um, joined in that appeal as well. Not bad for a Long Islander. (laughs) <laughs> Try it. Yeah, we're coming off our uh, heated debate over the correct pronunciation of Tuxbury, which There's led to no debate there whatsoever. Glad oh. to say that 
all of that was good. I tried my best. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, the appeal was filed in February and a court order laid out the process. The DEP commissioner has to make a decision by June 28th on whether the permit should stay in place or whether the appeal is actually valid and the uh, permit should should not stay in place as currently issued. So we're running up against some deadlines with that. Um, you know, attorneys for Enbridge today said they recognize that this is new information, that the parties have a right to review it, but really asked and urged the hearings officer to try and get this process done as soon as possible because they don't think it would be fair to them either if this is held up indefinitely in limbo by the sudden introduction of new information. What strategy has Enbridge been using in defending their permit? Uh, I'd say kind of two strategies um, deployed both at once. When witnesses for the the appeal party are up, um, Enbridge's questions in cross-examination have kind of gotten at their qualifications, um, you know, really how sound their testimony is arguing that this facility would emit uh, too many pollutants to be allowed, asking things like, have you ever done this exact kind of um, you know, air quality modeling yourself? Do you have any firsthand experience doing this? It's sort of subtly driving at the credibility of those witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and their own witnesses, um, you know, outside consultants they, they brought in to testify here, have gotten up and basically just rebutted the argument that this facility is, uh, is not sound for, for human health, have said that, you know, whatever levels of, of chemicals the state found that it might emit are within federal guidelines that opponents who say uh, this is too dangerous are conveniently overlooking that fact. Yeah, th- there was a Boston University professor actually who, who made some headlines this week, right, with some accusations about how the agency, how DEP has handled this process. Right, right. Accusations are not just about the nature of the facility and what it will do to the community and the environment. This is uh, Earth and Environment Professor Nathan Phillips from BU actually alleging, based on reporting in DSmog, kind of an advocacy blog using public records, that uh, DEP and Enbridge had been in communication about how to study the effects of the facility before that permit was even issued. I think the word that Professor Phillips used was coaching, uh, implying that the DEP was guided through the process of approval by the company that wanted to receive that approval. Sure. So pardon my ignorance, that's not a, is that not a kosher way to go about it? It depends on who you ask. Some of the, the rebuttal was that this is more or less a, a longstanding DEP practice to be in communication with those who are seeking permits about, you know, the effects of their facilities and, and how those studies go. Um, you know, officials who, who testified against that said that this is not some sort of uh, uh, secret cheating of the system, but rather just how the system works. But opponents see that um, as, you know, the administration and the DEP really unfairly trying to shove through a project that they see as as dangerous. Uh, So just to reiterate, Chris, uh, as far as when this hearing resumes, any date certain? They haven't set an exact date. You know, I'm thinking that maybe at the end of today's testimony, they might kind of hash out a plan going forward. They might go until 7 p.m. tonight. So it's uh, going to be a little while before we know. Um, I would expect it to be soon. I would expect it to be next week, given that um, all parties don't want this delayed significantly. But we don't have a specific date yet. Sure. No, a lot of folks are following it and we will be, too. Thanks, Chris. Well, the, uh, the Senate took it a little easy this week as they gear up for their budget debate next week, wading through uh, over 1,000 uh, amendments. We'll see which ones get withdrawn, but 1,142 amendments coming up. Uh, but the House's action for this week uh, was passage of so-called 
hands-free driving bill, or we, we've been talking a little bit about what phrase is, is an apt descriptor, a ban on handheld devices uh, while operating a motor vehicle, Matt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was a long... We, don't, we do not want hands-free driving. That is not the goal of this exercise. Look, man, no hands. <laughs> um, hands-on driving is really what they're looking for here. That's the goal. Um, uh, it was uh, sort of a long session. We had a lot of lulls in that session, Matt, as different conversations took place on the floor. Um, and that all led up to adoption of a redrafted amendment that had been sitting out there for several hours uh, from Rep. China Tyler. W- what, what does that accomplish? Yeah, and in the end, it, it will seem kind of simple, but you're right. This took uh, over four hours to kind of hash out, and it all related to what has really been the, the central issue that has held this bill up for several years, particularly in the House, and that's racial profiling. Of course, this bill coming out of committee did include language uh, to have local police uh, enforcement uh, report to the state on uh, traffic citations issued and the race of the people that were pulled over and cited for violations of the of the distracted driving bill that they were debating. And uh, this would be studied. Uh, they would look for signs that uh, perhaps uh, particular races or particular communities are being targeted for more, po- more traffic stops and such. But uh, Rep. China Tyler put forward an amendment that would have expanded this to include uh, reporting requirements on all traffic stops to the state so that they could monitor for racial profiling. And and I spoke to uh, Transportation Committee Chair uh, William Strauss after the fact, and he explained that what was really at uh, issue here was the fact that they weren't really sure how to make Rep. Tyler's amendment work. There are checkboxes on uh, traffic tickets, citations, that a cop can uh, indicate the race of the person they have pulled over. But Strauss said that the issue with the the Tyler Amendment was what to do if a cop pulls you over and gives you a warning, pulls you over and asks you a question, Hmm. pulls you over and tells you your tire is flat and walks back to his car and doesn't actually indicate or doesn't actually issue a citation. How then does that data get reported to the state and, and studied. So in the end, they just put in some language to give uh, the Baker administration till the end of the year to review how to expand uh, the reporting requirements on, uh, on, on traffic stops and race. And they're going to uh, include that, uh, hopefully uh, study further whether or not it's feasible to, to expand it. Katie? Yeah, I was on the floor when uh, Chairman Strauss introduced this bill and he was talking about the data collection and citation piece of it. And one thing he said that was kind of interesting is that as as more and more departments move to e-citations, do it electronically instead of in the, you know, ticket book that they carry around in the pocket, they won't be able to go to the next screen without having, you know, entered something in that race demographic data line so that they'll be more of a guarantee that 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 data is collected. So that was kind of an interesting tech piece of it. Sure, looking at the practical application of how this would be carried out. Yeah, how they're making sure that that's done. Sure. Um, Going back to that Tyler Amendment, though, um, there have been several co-sponsors of that initial Tyler Amendment, a number of reps concerned about this issue. Um, They all seemed satisfied with the redraft, right, and that there were only, I think, two Republicans voted against the final Bill? Yeah, in the end, it seems that this was really not, uh, it was something that was worked out together, I should say. Uh, Rep. Tyler, my understanding, had been in contact with Chairman Strauss and 
uh, Rep. Wagner and the Speaker's office leading up to yes uh, or this week's debate, she uh, you know had been discussing this issue of uh, racial profiling and the traffic stops. And they, while they weren't necessarily expecting this amendment to be filed, they did work closely together, and this was a compromise. <clears throat> that, excuse me, that they were all uh, comfortable with at the end of the day. All right, and and this House version of the bill, which is now headed over to the Senate, would uh, have officers issuing warnings until 2020, right? And then it would be. Hundred dollars for a first offense, two fifty for a second offense, five hundred for third and subsequent. Yeah, that's a, a bit of a grace period built in, and uh, so people can get used to the law and and hopefully learn that they need to put their phones down. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, this now goes to the Senate. We were expecting the Senate to go first, but they're actually now not going to debate this until after the next week's budget debate, and in the first week of June they'll take this up. So I think you're looking perhaps, uh, you know, maybe not till uh, the fall until this would take effect, and then 2020 before the fines kick in. Sure. June 6th, I think, for the Senate. So we're looking ahead to June for the next step on that bill, and we're also looking ahead to June, Katie, for uh, a possible uh, education funding formula bill. And the news of this bill in the works uh, came after a week of protests and sit-ins and Patriots players up here all pushing uh, for lawmakers to revisit uh, how public schools are funded in Massachusetts. That's right. It was quite the the week up here on Beacon Hill in terms of education advocacy where um, we're in day two of a sit-in right now of some uh, college student activists calling for uh, action on a uh, bill to provide free public higher education in Massachusetts. As you mentioned, Sam, uh, we had some Patriot players, uh, including the McCourty twins. And I think it was actually you who dug up this week that it was last year, Devin McCourty had said when he was up here for a criminal justice event that it's a pretty cool building. Maybe you'll be seeing more of him up here. And we certainly have. He's been up here a couple times now advocating for Senator Chang Diaz's Promise Act on education funding. And I mean, really, yesterday, there were so many people here. I was actually boxed in by school buses trying to drive home from work yesterday. That's Eventually right, made it out, out um, with the, the thousands of people on the common. Um, quite, a, quite a scene there. And we did. Um, I caught up with Senator Jason Lewis, the Education Committee co-chair, um, during kind of the, the run-up to that rally yesterday and got a little bit more of a timeline for when we might be looking for, for something to come out of that committee. He says they're, they're aiming for June on that. Sure. They had held their hearing on some of these proposals uh, back in March. In March, yeah. And, and since then, um, Senator Lewis and the House Chair, Alice Peisch, have been meeting, uh, touring school districts, meeting with the, the different stakeholders who might have a say. Of course, the, the House and the Senate in the past have taken a different tax to how they wanted to each reform the Chapter 70 school funding formula. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, we get uh, a committee bill that both branches can agree to, or if we end up with the situation again this year where the House goes one way, the Senate goes another, and it's ironed out in conference. Sure, whether so-called uh, pre-conferencing might be effective here. Right, pre-conferencing where they have kind of a an agreed-upon bill that moves through the branches as is, or even just a committee consensus as a starting point that maybe the House amends one way, the Senate amends a different way, and they work out kind of a, a smaller scale differences than the wide apart range that they uh, were struggling to, to reconcile and ultimately unable to last summer. Sure, sort of a framework. Exactly. Yeah. Could be, uh, 
could be on the on the horizon. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, that sort of jives with what I heard from some people in the Senate that I was talking to this week who said basically they're trying to reduce the amount of daylight between the branches by the time this gets to the floor. And I think, Katie, what was Lewis's phrase? Broad consensus, I think, is what he told you. Yeah, broad consensus was his words there. They're looking for that. Um, he said they've been working with the uh, the Baker administration as well. I know there was um, you know, one of the hiccups at the end of session last year was the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education coming in with some data that threw a wrench into the, the situation at that point. It mm. um, added another complication. So it certainly seems like they might be trying to avoid that kind of situation this time around. Yeah. And by starting now, I guess, you know, avoid some of that last minute stuff. And then when I talked to the speaker about this on uh, Wednesday, I guess it was, uh, he told me that he is encouraged that they are talking. Uh, you know, he's hopeful that they can, uh, they being Lewis and Peich, reach some sort of agreement. So he is seems to be bought into the committee process this time around. Mm-hmm. And he said that, uh, you know, e- even if they do get to or have to go into a conference committee situation, he, he sees the committee process as something that could uh, make that negotiation a little easier than it was perhaps last summer. And he wants to hopefully get this done this year, he said. Yeah, hopefully this year, uh, a vote uh, later this year. And if, if if what Lewis says with the June bill release tracks, uh, you know, we could be trying to get something done maybe before the summer recess. Yeah, sure. and while we, um, we don't have that kind of legislative calendar time crunch uh, starting so early in the two-year session, there is a, a threat of a lawsuit hanging on the horizon. Some of the municipal officials in cities like Brockton, New Bedford, Worcester, um, as well as some advocacy and civil rights groups have said they're ready to go to court. And um, those municipal gr- groups that we, we talked about last week um, on our long-distance call podcast. Um, <laughs> A special edition of the Yeah, the, the lo-fi garage tapes. Um, they aren't putting a hard timeline on, you know, when they'd need to see action to go to court, but they're they're hoping to not have to go through another budget cycle like this. And they are kind of hanging that over lawmakers' heads. And Also, as you noted last week, we have seen Jeff Riley, the education commissioner, uh, up here a fair amount in the hallways and some talking to Alice Peich the other week. So Absolutely. a lot of conversations getting going. It could also certainly help if they get this funding formula change nailed down before what the speaker has promised to be a revenue debate in the fall, uh, they can have a sort of, you know, at least a target number that they have in mind when they're uh, putting together a revenue package, if, if they do put it together a revenue package uh, to, uh, you know, a target to hit with money. So uh, looks like perhaps something coming this summer. Mm. Yeah, I think there'd be a lot of minds put at ease in a, in a variety of spaces if some sort of if not resolution, at least pathway to one could be reached uh, before school starts up in the fall. Sure. A lot of things to watch in the coming weeks. Um, thanks very much. That's all the time we have for this week. But I will note in closing that if you haven't checked it out yet, Colin Young's story from Tuesday, the sort of a broader look at what Tuesdays are like on Beacon Hill. I, th- I think it was your headline, Matt. Uh, Tuesdays are becoming too much to take in. Too much to take. Yeah, there, Tuesdays are a lot. Tuesdays be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little slice of our life running around this building, um, as well as the, the lawmakers and the advocates. Yeah, good piece. Check it out, statehousenews.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks, oh. Sam. Bye.
Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.